0: Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the Library of Congress National Book Festival, co-chaired in 2009 by President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama. Now in its ninth year, this free event, held Saturday, September 26th, on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend in person, you can still participate online. These podcast interviews with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov bookfest. It's now my pleasure of talking with best-selling author Michael Connelly. Mr. Connolly is perhaps best known for the Harry Bosch series, which includes his award-winning novel, The Black Echo. His book, Bloodwork, was adapted into a film starring and directed by Clint Eastwood. Mr. Connolly has been further distinguished with every major award given to mystery writers, including an Edgar Award, Anthony Award, and Macavity Award. Mr. Connolly's latest book, Scarecrow, was released this past May, and Nine Dragons debuts this fall. Mr. Connolly, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Now, before I launch into your vocation, I, I had a question about an avocation here. I, I understand that you're going to be starring as yourself in the season premiere episode of ABC TV series Castle on the 21st of September. Is that correct? Uh,
1: yeah. I don't know if I'd call it an avocation, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> kind of a very, uh, a, side, a side track, I
0: think. What's that all about?
1: Well, um, Castle is a show about a guy who's a crime novelist. And on occasion, he plays poker with other crime novelists. And what the show tries to do is have real um, writers, so it kind of bridges the the world between um, Castle, uh, Rick Castle, the fictional guy, and some real um, writers. And so I'm in the poker scene for the uh, season premiere.
0: Is it fun to play yourself in in a fictional setting? I guess.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. I. I was pretty nervous about it going into it, but then it, uh, they did a good job of, you know, making me feel comfortable. And uh, I only had three different lines, or I only spoke at three different times, and uh, so it went pretty easy.
0: Now, let me ask uh, about the scarecrow, um, which is set amidst the wreckage. I guess you could say of uh, American newspapers. Uh, as a former journalist yourself, what do you think about the current state of print journalism?
1: Well, I mean, that was the reason I wrote the book. It's very uh, disappointing to see this. Um, you know, I am I recognize that society changes, and we're in the midst of that kind of change where more and more people are getting their uh, news from uh, the Internet, TV, and so forth. And, and it's not like I'm decrying that. But at the same time, I think something's going to be lost. I think newspapers in each community are kind of a uh, community tentpole, and uh they're not going to be fully replaced. So it, it's, it's disappointing on that level. It's disappointing on the level that I did that for a living for uh, 15 years, and, and so I hate to think of it uh, going by the wayside.
0: Now, I understand you had to pull back the novel twice in response to, I guess, some late-breaking events uh, that rocked the newspaper industry. Uh, talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, one of the things, I mean, coming from to, from the world of journalism to the world of fiction, one of the things I've always tried to bring forward or with me was verisimilitude, trying to be accurate about things, trying to be um, real. And my books are very contemporary. They're usually set in the month that they are published. And so I was writing a book last fall, um, and uh, that was going to be set in May of 2009. And uh, so, you know, I was writing about the the, uh, crumbling newspaper business, and then I turned the book in back in November, and the business continued to crumble in some significant ways. I had mentioned the Rocky Mountain News because the character in the book had worked there at a time, and then that folded in, mm. I think it was February. Yeah, And uh, so I had to call up and say, has the book been printed yet? Because that was only two months before it was uh, going to be out, I think. And um, luckily, I was able to pull it back and make some changes it was kind of a tight thing you couldn't really break any pages but i could go in there and and uh... make the book more accurate
0: now uh... the new book nine dragons uh, takes the popular harry bosch character to hong kong how does he get there and why
1: Um about the the middle third of the book is set in hong kong and so it's you know if you're if you're able to write um... if you're lucky enough to be able to write several books in a series and i've been very fortunate to give that opportunity. You can always, every now and then, or maybe one time, do the old classic fish out of water Mm -hmm. story where you take him away from the environment that he's known for or uh, readers are comfortable with. So I wanted to take him to an exotic uh, place where he would kind of feel not at home at all. Um, And I kind of set this up a few books ago where I had his ex-wife and his daughter move to Hong Kong. So he had a someone in Hong Kong a reason to go there, and, and in the middle of a case in Los Angeles, he finds out that his daughter is uh, did not come home from school, or after going to a mall after school. She's 13 years old, and so she's missing, and so he kind of drops everything in L.A., goes to Hong Kong to solve that, or to find her, and to figure out if it has anything to do with what he's doing in Los Angeles.
0: Now, I, I actually know the answer to this, but uh, what is what is the origin of the title, Nine Dragons?
1: Oh, that's, um, Kowloon is a big part of, uh, Hong Kong, a big section. It's across the harbor from central Hong Kong, and that means nine dragons, and, um, that was from, got its name from a legend about an emperor who was chased into the hills, uh, mountains, guess like you'd say, that would later become Hong Kong to hide, um, and, um, Decided, and there was eight mountain peaks that are around Hong Kong, and so he decided to call it whatever eight dragons means. But then they reminded him that the emperor is always a dragon, so you would be the ninth dragon. So they called it Kowloon, which means nine dragons, and Got, a key okay. part of the book takes place there.
0: Great. Um, Want to ask about Harry Bosch? How do you think he's evolved from where you where he started out and where he is now? I guess.
1: Well, I mean, I've been very lucky. Like I told you, I the books are very uh, contemporary. They're written for the time they're published. So the first Harry Bosch came out 17 years ago. So like anybody, um, you change over 17 years, and hopefully, I've shown that in Harry. I think on a you know the biggest change in that whole 17 year period is when he found out he had a child. Because um, Harry was always kind of a loner, and by design, he wanted to. He felt he had this mission of seeking out evil people. And to do that, he, he had to be invulnerable. He couldn't have anything close to him so that he could be gotten to. And then uh, he found out that he had a daughter. And so that really changed him, changed the series. It made him vulnerable. And in Nine Dragons, that's where that's really explored.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you named Harry after the 15th century Dutch painter Hier- uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Why is that? Were there parallels between the two that you saw?
1: Well, you're always looking for metaphors, and um, a name is important, especially if you can use it to to kind of brush on some character, uh, to say something about the guy you're going to be writing about. And um, it's a bit obscure, but, you know, Hieronymus Bosch, the painter, um, his work is about a world going wrong and chaos, and descriptions you could give his paintings you could also certainly give to a crime or a crime scene. And so I kind of drew that connection. I think there's... A lot in the paintings, especially his masterpiece called "The Garden of Earthly Delight," that um, lends itself to um, Los Angeles as possibly being a contemporary Garden of Earthly Delights with all its good and bad things going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a critic wrote that you bring to your work authentic characters, realistic dialogue, and knowing details. Is there a secret to that? Is it research? Uh,
1: yeah, I guess so. I mean. It's not really a secret. I mean, I think every writer wants to, you know, accurately bring the world that they're writing about to the reader. It's a question of how do you go about doing that. Yeah, Everyone knows you've got to do it. And um, I think maybe my training as a journalist kind of prepared me for it, so I, ha- I think I have a good ear. I mean, when you're a journalist, you never are given enough space to write the story you want to write, so you learn to be concise, and you learn to listen for dialogue that carries information. It's just not fluff and i think that's what i've taken over into my uh, novels.
0: Hemingway of course another journalist turned writer. He said write what you know. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, i do, but um you also write what you don't ever want to know. You don't you, you explore things that are especially if you're a crime novelist like me, you 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 know, you do research. I spend a lot of time with cops, I explore crimes that are pretty horrific. You know, i'm looking for uh things to write about, looking for points of inspiration. And, you know, in the process of doing that for about 20 years now, I've been, you know, a researcher slash investigated some stuff that's pretty awful and it's stuff that I don't want to know. So it's a little bit of a mixture of both. Uh,
0: Along those same lines, we've talked about your fiction. You have a nonfiction book called Crime Beat that details a lot of your time spent as a crime reporter. Is is there any one story or experience that stands out in your mind as uh, especially memorable?
1: Well, I mean, I think... um, the one that is most important was um, I got uh, through a lot of negotiation attached to a homicide squad for a week. And I was there with them every day. I had a pager, and uh, when they got called out, I got called out. And I was able to really kind of fully immerse with them for a week. And um, during that week, they were quite busy. They had three different cases, three homicides came up. And so I saw a lot of stuff. And this was, uh, hmm, when was this? This is way back in the 80s. This is like 88. Um, so here we are, 21 years later, and I still feed off of that in my fiction because I just saw the detail of the job. I saw their interaction with the job. I saw them, you know, calling home and saying I'm not going to make it. I'm um, chasing a case. You know, I saw all aspects of the job that um, I've been using for you know two decades now.
0: Uh, crime novels, uh, a very, I guess you could say, rich genre uh, of literature. And of course, the television airwaves are uh, packed with, I guess you could say, procedurals. What do you think it is that you bring to the genre that really makes you stand out and, and has made you successful?
1: Well, it's almost, it's kind of a mystery. Um, I think <laughs> what every writer should do or does, what I try to do is keep your head down and write a story that you would want to read and so that really means you write about a character you'd like to know about maybe meet maybe even be and um, it really comes down to character and i think i've been able to write about um, you know this guy harry Bosch, who is good and bad things about him but uh, the overall picture of him somehow connects on an, an empathic level with a lot of readers and You know, did I sit down there and have a checklist of empathic things? No. You know, I just kind of wrote about a character that was of interest to me, Mm -hmm. has um, things that are sympathetic about him. You know, he turns people off in many ways as well, including me. But I think that mix has made him realistic, uh, like a real person. And uh, I think, you know, a character like that will win, win the day for you almost every time.
0: Yeah. I've read that uh, Raymond Chandler is a literary hero of yours. Why, why is that?
1: Um, yeah, he's definitely the most uh, inspirational literary figure in my, uh, in my world. Um, and it's just because when I was a teenager and in college and so forth, I loved reading crime novels, but I never thought about writing them until I read Chandler's, and I just saw... Um, such an artistic component to what he was doing. There's things that worked there that were went beyond the puzzle of who did it and things like that. Uh, you know, he was he he he's very evocative of this city, Los Angeles, and at the time I'd never even been here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh it just I, I just saw a higher game there and it was inspiring and was pretty soon after that I uh, decided I wanna to try to do it someday.
0: Yeah. Uh, you've obviously you've created some other compelling characters beyond Harry. Is Harry your favorite? Do you have some other favorites that you've created?
1: Yeah, well, Harry I'm sure is by far my favorite, but in the last few years I've created um a uh defense attorney named Mickey Haller who's actually related to Harry. They're half brothers and um and he's like the flip side because he, you know, Harry books him and this guy tries to free him. And what he ha- but he is like Harry has some ideals that he believes in, so it's not a he's not a weasel or anything like that, but he is a complicated character, and I've enjoyed writing about him. I've written two books about him in Nine dragons. He appears for just one chapter, but it's a very important chapter, and he kind of steals the show for that period and so that's a sign that um this character is is uh, important to me.
0: One of the great things, at least for me, about the National Book Festival is to see, in particular, the young people that come out and and they're inspired and they're wrapped with attention. What kind of advice do you give, especially for young people, if they're interested in doing what you do?
1: Well, it's kind of like what I said, um, you know, what Hemingway would say, right way you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, keep your head down and write a story for yourself. Don't you know, lick your finger, hold it up into the wind to see which way the commercial winds of publishing you're going if you do that then you're lost i mean you really have to um be inspired by something and you, bu- you need to really want to tell a story to yourself you know it starts with you're writing for one person yourself and you know everyone has connections to the world so if it's a some if it's not some- if you come up with something that you like there's got to be other people that will like it and you just kind of go from there
0: well, Michael Conley, uh, before I let you go, let me ask, is there, are there any other projects, either book or film or TV, that are coming up for you?
1: Uh, I guess I'm just going to launch my acting career at the <laughs> castle. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'm about to start writing a book, and actually we'll have Harry Bosch and Mickey Holler in it, and that will be out next year. I don't even have a title for it yet, but I'm um, just starting that one out, and that's really what's uh, taking most of my attention at the moment.
0: Well, Michael Connolly, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. The current book is uh, The Scarecrow, and the upcoming book is Nine Dragons. Uh, that is uh, Michael Connolly. We very much appreciate his time, and you'll be able to hear more from him at the National Book Festival. That's on Saturday, September 26th on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. As always, free and open to the public. If you want more details and a complete list of participating authors, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. From the Library of Congress, this is Matt Raymond. Thank you so much for listening.